Good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are holy, 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 that you're the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, and you were worthy of our worship. That's why we're here. When we see you, we see ourselves differently, and so we confess our sins to you. The things we've done and said and thought and left undone, Lord, forgive us. And Lord, our church and Lord, our nation, we have forgotten you. Lord, we thank you that that you seek and save the lost, that you forgive sinners, that you give us your spirit, that you give us your word. Lord, thank you for feeding us and keeping us safe this week. As we open your word together today, teach us. Holy Spirit, help us to see Jesus. Win lost people and, and, and build believers and equip workers. Oh, Lord, we're, we're praying for, for revival in our nation. We, we need it. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're reading from the book of Colossians. We're in Colossians chapter 3. If you have your Bible, turn there with me. Uh, it's good to bring a Bible. Colossians 3, verse 16 Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now, some really important Bible questions for you. Um, What was Boaz like before he got married? He was ruthless. Come on, man. He married Ruth. He was ruthless, okay? He was ruthless. All right, uh, let me try again. Uh, What time of day, what time of day was Adam created? Just a little before Eve, okay? Just a little. All right, uh, okay. Who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? Who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? Samson. Samson, yeah. Samson did what he brought the house down, didn't he? (laughs) All right, let's move on, okay? I even got an amen to that one, okay? This, pardon me? Oh, good dad jokes, thank you. (laughs) Oh, this morning... This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to learn how important the Bible is in the life of a disciple, how important God's Word is in the life of a disciple. Matter of fact, the the point of today's message, what we're going to look at today is let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. Would you say that with me? Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. Uh, If you're new, we've been reading through the book of Colossians together, studying it, And what we've learned is that a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And when Jesus moves into us, when Jesus moves into us, he says to us, follow me, follow me. And we say, well, how do we follow you? Well, he gives us his word. And then he gives us his spirit to give us the desire and the power to follow him. And then he gives us his church to help us to grow. He gives us his word. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his church. And man, I can remember when I came to faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit moved in, and and I had a hunger for God's Word, didn't you? 
And I really wanted to read the Bible, and I didn't understand it all, but I understood a lot more than I did before, and I found it was all about Jesus. I loved to read his word. And when I became a Christian, was given the Holy Spirit for the first time in my life, I wanted to go to church because I loved to hear the word of God. I loved to hear gifted people teach me the scriptures. And I love to go to my small group because in my small group we would open the Bible and we would talk about Jesus together and it was so good. And it still is not with you. I mean, when the Spirit moves in, He gives us a hunger, a hunger to read His Word because it's all about Jesus, a hunger to hear His Word. We want to be taught God's Word, a hunger to, to gather with others and, to, and discuss His Word um, together. And, and that's what we're going to be learning about today. Um, we're going to take the point and just begin to unpack it. L- let me show you that. In verse 16, um, let the word of Christ. Um, uh, do you know that that phrase, I, I read from the New American Standard Bible, the word of Christ is only in there twice. In a lot of translations, it's only in there once. But twice in in the New American Standard, we read the Word of Christ. We read it here in verse 16, let the Word of Christ. And then we also read it in Romans chapter 10, a great chapter on evangelism. And in Romans 10 verse 17, we read, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. The reason is so important that we share the gospel, we share the word of Christ with others, because that's how people come to faith. They hear, and the Spirit gives people faith. So the word of Christ is only in there twice, so I begin to think of other things like the word of God, and I, or, or the, the word of God is in, in the Bible 46 times. And uh, interesting, only five times in the Old Testament and 41 times in the New Testament do we read about the word of God. And then I thought, well, well, what about the Word of the Lord? What about the Word of the Lord? So I looked up Word of the Lord, and it's in the Bible 255 times, but 237 of those are in the Old Testament. So that's where you'd hear so much the Word of the Lord, the Word of the Lord, and uh, only 18 times in the New Testament. And then I thought, what did the prophets always say? What would the prophets always say? What? Thus saith the Lord. So I thought, I wonder how many times that's in there. And look at this. Thus says the Lord is in there 417 times. Thus says the Lord. And they're, they're all in the Old Testament. Um, but here it says, um, let the word of Christ. And the reason the Bible is called the word of Christ is because it's all about Jesus. This might surprise you, but you are not the main character of the Bible. Jesus is the main character. Uh, It's all about Him, and and this will really surprise you too. Most people that I know who are not interested in reading the Bible believe the Bible is about all these things that God wants us to do for Him. They believe it's filled with do's and don'ts, and they're not really, really motivated to read a book about all the things they're supposed to do. But what changes everything is when people understand the Bible is not primarily about what we do for God, but what God has done, is doing, and will do for us. The message of the Bible is the gospel. It's good news. Oh. And when people get that, they open up the Word and say, Jesus, tell me again how you rescued me. 
Tell me again how you knew me and chose me before the world was even created. Tell me again. Tell me again how you put on flesh and you came to earth to save me. Tell me, I love to hear that story of how you rescued me. Tell me again how you arranged my whole life and sent someone and sent the Holy Spirit to draw me to yourself. Tell me again. Tell me, tell me again your promise to never leave me. Tell me again how much you love me. Tell me again your purpose for my life. Tell me again how you're going to get me safely home. Tell me again all that you have in store for me. I love to hear that. Isn't that why we're here today, isn't it? Aren't we here to open up the Scriptures together and say, Jesus, tell me again. Tell me again how much you love me. Oh, and that's what I want to do because we're here today to open up the Word of Christ. Oh, remember, remember when we were in Colossians 1, when, when we started this year and began to walk through Colossians? Remember in Colossians 1.13 we read, For He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much. I lived in darkness, and you've moved into the light. I was dead in my sins, and now I'm forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that your story? If it's not your story, wouldn't you like it to be? You see, the, the term good, gospel means good news, but it contains bad news. Do you see the end of verse 14, the word sins? The Bible says we all have a problem called sin. And it would seem to me that that would be something that everybody in our culture could agree on, that we have a problem called sin, right? I mean, the last few weeks we had, what, a shooting in a grocery store and a shooting in a school and a shooting in a hospital and a shooting in a church, right? Don't we read bad news day after day? And, and listen, we have guns to protect us, and we have uh, security systems, and we have cameras, and we have police, and we have uh, armed forces. Why? Because there's something wrong with all of us, right? It's not just the world is broken. We all are. You say, well, what's a sin? It's a crime against God. Well, what's that? We say to God, that's, that's a good idea, but I've got a better idea. And every time we tell God that his idea is good and ours is better and we rebel against God in thought, word, or deed, we are committing a crime against God. And God is just and he must punish sin. And he says what we deserve for what we have done is hell. And once we understand the bad news, we've sinned against God, we're in big trouble, then the good news is really good. Here's the good news. He rescued us. Jesus saves us. That Jesus is God, the Son who put on flesh to rescue us from darkness to light, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life for us, went to the cross, died for our sins, cried out, it's finished. He, he died on the third day, he rose, and he offers us salvation. He offers us the chance to move from darkness to light. He offers to forgive our sin so that we could be forgiven. He offers to deliver us from hell so that we could enjoy him now and forever. And what does he require of us? He requires that we put our faith in him, right? In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, have you ever done that? The word confess means to agree. If you ever said, Jesus, you're Lord, I'm not, have you ever done that? And believe in your heart 
Have you ever believed with your mind, your emotions, and will, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? You'll be saved. Have you ever believed that he died and rose for you? If you haven't, wouldn't you like to? You see, saving faith is, is pretty simple. It's as simple as A, admit, and B, believe, and C, commit. And if you've never done that, won't you? You can do that right now if you'd like, or as I close in prayer, I'd love to give you an opportunity to do that. But notice what he says, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It starts when we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry, won't you? And then I believe. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose, won't you? And then commit, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and, and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. The rebellion ends today. You're Lord, I'm not. You lead and I'll follow, won't you? Oh, and if you have, aren't you thankful he's rescued us? Aren't you thankful he's moved us out of darkness into his light? Aren't you thankful when you go to bed tonight, you're forgiven? That's why we get into his word. We want the word of Christ to richly dwell within us so we remember Jesus and what he's done for us. Remember, <clears throat> as we were walking through Colossians 1, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. When we go outside every day, we see the beauty of God's creation, right? Listen to this. All things have been created through him and for him. You have been made by Jesus and for Jesus. He's the one who made you. You've been made by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is eternal, and he holds everything together. You ever look around our country and say, gee, why is everything falling apart? You want to know why? Because what? We have forgotten Jesus. But you also know what that means. If we want to see the healing of our land, it begins with us. Not with electing the right person. It begins with us when we follow Jesus and he puts us together. And then we begin to follow him in our family and he puts our family together. And then as a church, we begin to follow him and he puts our church together. And as he puts people and families and churches together, he puts a nation together. In him, all things hold together. Isn't that why we're here? Jesus put us together, put our family together, put our church together. We need you. He is also head of the body, the church. You see, Jesus is the head of creation because he's creator. He's the head of the church. He's the savior. He's also head of the body, the church, and he's the beginning from the firstborn from the dead. He walked out of the tomb, and we will too, so that he will come to have first place in everything. It's so good to be a Christian. Listen, Jesus is creator and savior. There's no dichotomy for a Christian between the spiritual and the secular. It means the one we worship on Sunday is the one we work for on Monday. He's the one we play for on Saturday. It's all about him. And he wants first place in everything. So he wants first place in our worship on Sunday, and he wants first place in our work or school on Monday, and he wants first place in our sports on Saturday. Ah. And then remember when we were in verse 27, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory? <laughs> Are you a Christian? The one who spoke 
And everything that is came into being out of nothing has moved into you, Christ in you. That's our hope of glory. Well, what is it that robs people of hope? What robs us? We, we learn the only thing that robs us of hope is our past, our present, and our future, right? And so with the past, when Christ moves in, we know what? That our failures are not fatal. We're forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. And, and listen, with the present, our lives are not futile. Jesus has a purpose for our life. Thank you, Jesus. And when it comes to the future, our death is not final. The best is yet to come. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> So Jesus fills up with hope, uh, us with hope so that we can become hope dealers, right? So what does he say? We proclaim him. Why are we here? We're here to peddle hopium to others, right? We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. I mean, so many people, they're so discouraged and we have hopium to offer them. I'll remember in, when we got to chapter 2, why do we want the word of Christ to richly dwell within us? Remember Colossians 2, verse 3? In whom in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Um, how many of you would like to be wise? How many would like to be wise? Oh, if you don't want to be wise, the alternative is bad, isn't it? What if we believed that there was a person in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wouldn't we want to spend time with Him? The reason we want to let the Word of Christ richly dwell within us is because in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I love God's Word, don't you? Listen, if we want to ask, answer questions like, well, where did everything come from? We open up His Word and we're taught God made everything. That's creation. When we look at our broken world and says, what went wrong? We open his word and learn that man sinned against God and all was wrecked. That's the fall. When we ask the question, how do we fix it? Listen, Jesus says that only Jesus can change the human heart. That's redemption. Where is history headed toward Jesus coming back? Consummation. Oh. We live in a morally confused culture. I'm so thankful we have God's word, don't you? I was watching an incredibly educated woman was asked, she's a Supreme Court nominee, and she was asked, what is a woman? And she said, what? I don't know. I don't know. Listen, if you want to know what a woman is, all you have to do is open up the word of Christ, and you'll know. If you want to know what a man is, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In our morally confused culture, every day we have an opportunity to get up and breathe in the word of Christ because in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then remember as we were walking through Colossians 2, we, we came to verse 6, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. We begin the Christian life by faith. We invite Jesus in, right? And that's how we live. We follow Jesus. After we invite him in, we follow him. Uh, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted, and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. And so how do we grow it? How do we follow him? Well, he gives us his word. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his church so we can be built up and follow him. And remember when we read in Colossians 2, verses 9 and 
10, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. How often do you just stop and think about that, that, that God put on flesh and came to earth? That at one time the fullness of deity dwelt in one cell. Isn't that amazing? And then that cell multiplied and multiplied and multiplied into the person of Jesus who came to save us. Wow. The wonder of the incarnation. Uh, <clears throat> For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. When you get Jesus, you get everything you need to follow him, right? I mean, when we believe in him, he gives us his word. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his church so we can follow him. So let the word of Christ, the Bible, it's all about Jesus. Let his word, the word of Christ, richly, richly. I'm, <clears throat> I love that. Uh, let the scriptures just fill you up uh, richly, not just a little bit, richly. Um, how many of you have ever heard the term Bibline? Anybody ever heard the term Bibline? Well, Charles Spurgeon, a great Baptist pastor, invented the term. And he invented the term to describe a man named John Bunyan. Anybody know what book John Bunyan wrote? Pilgrim's Progress. Um, the second most read book in the world from the Bible. If you've never read Pilgrim's Progress, every Christian should read Pilgrim's Progress. But Charles Spurgeon said about John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, that if you pricked him anywhere, he would, he would bleed Bibline. That what would happen is the Bible would ooze out of him. Anywhere you poked him, anywhere you poked him, he would bleed Bibline. Wouldn't it be great if that was true of us? I love to go on YouTube and watch Fail Army. Most people, when they fall, let me tell you, it's not Scripture that comes out of their mouth. Wouldn't it be great that no matter what happened in our life, that our blood, that our words were bibbling? Um, let the word of Christ richly, notice the next two words, dwell within, dwell within. Uh, let me show you the, the word for that. This is really interesting. The word for uh, dwell within is the word in, in, oik, in oiko. In means in, and oiko means to dwell. That uh, we often talk about uh, getting in the scriptures, and the reason we get in the scriptures is because what we really want is what? For the scriptures to get in us. That's what we want. We get in the word, so the word gets in us. And, and the Word controls our thinking, and the world controls our emotions, and the Word controls our actions. So we want the Word to dwell in us. Huh. Uh, that word dwell is the same word used to describe how the Holy Spirit dwells in us, to describe how the Holy Spirit dwells in us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, uh, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, and if you're a Christian, He raised you from the dead too because you were dead. He brought you to life so you could see Jesus. And now He's moved into you to give you the desire and the power to follow after Jesus. Listen, He's already done the hard part. He's raised you from the dead. He can give you the desire and power to follow Jesus. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. 
We've been given the Holy Spirit to give us the desire and the power to follow Jesus. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but Ephesians and Colossians are twin epistles. If you read them, they're very, very similar. The first half of both of them are all about the gospel, what Jesus has done for us. The second half is how the gospel transforms us. So we're reading in Colossians, and in Colossians 3, we read, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. And when that happens, we sing to one another, we speak to one another, it changes families and workplaces, and and it changes everything in life. So in the twin epistle in Ephesians 5, instead of saying, let the word of Christ dwell in you, let me show you what it says in Ephesians. In Ephesians 5, 18... And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Ah, Here it says to be filled with the Spirit. Because being filled with the Spirit and being filled with the Word of Christ is the same thing. It brings the same thing, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, uh, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things. I encourage you this week, read Colossians 3 and then just keep reading through the end of the book. And then go to Ephesians 5 and and read how being filled with the Holy Spirit, and you'll see it produces the same thing. Because Jesus wants us to follow Him, so He gives us His Word, and He gives us His Spirit to give us the desire and power to follow Him. Let me illustrate that for you. Uh, Think of following Jesus like a train, okay? And so the track, the track that a train runs down is the Word. The train never runs across the field. The train is always on the track. That's the Word. And then Jesus, when He calls us, follow me, He gives us the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's the one who gives us desire and power to follow Him. He's like the engine on a train. You ever notice the engine, it backs into the train, right? And then it does what it, it pulls the train. So the Holy Spirit is always leading us, always pulling us toward Jesus. So He's pulling us down the track toward Jesus, saying, look at Jesus, listen, follow Jesus, He's wiser than you. Follow Jesus. Look at the life he lived. Don't you want to live like that? Follow Jesus. So, when we read, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, Jesus is saying, follow me. He's given us the word, the tracks. He's given us the spirit to draw him. He's given us his word. He's given us his spirit. And he's given us his church. His church. Verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within y'all. I'm from the South. Did you know what he's saying there is let the word of Christ richly dwell in the church? He's not talking about an individual. He's talking about his church. May the spirit, the word of Christ richly dwell in the church. So when we gather together, we talk about God's Word and we sing about God's Word together. Um, remember, remember when we started this in Colossians chapter 1, we said that the letter, like all the letters, were written to a church, not to a person. Did you know that? In, in Colossians 1 verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints... And faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, this was written to a church, to be read out loud together in a church. You know why? Because if we read the Bible only individually, we'll end up weird. 
We will. You know what will happen if we read the Bible by ourselves? We'll underline and highlight all the verses we like, and we'll neglect all the verses we don't like. But something happens in the next few weeks where we're going. Something happens. We are going to gather together, and then we're going to read about husbands and wives together. And then we're going to read about parents and children together. And then we're going to read about employers and employees together. And something happens when we hear His Word together. So He's saying, let the Word of Christ richly dwell in your body, as well as all of you individually. Um, isn't that what we learned? Remember when I read earlier from Colossians 2, 6, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him, and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. When we meet Jesus, we need to find a church, a place where we can be instructed. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave gifts to his church, and one of the gifts he gave to his church, he gave were teachers because they could teach us the Word of God. We need a church to be taught the Scriptures. Um, but let's go back to Colossians 3. Yeah, we need a church to be taught, but this might surprise you. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. We need a church when, after we're taught that we teach one another. That after we're admonished, we admonish one another. You see, when we gather in worship, we're taught. When we gather in small group, we teach one another. We admonish one another. When we're discipling people, we who've been taught, we're teaching one another. We're admonishing one another. Teaching. That means when we teach someone like uh, uh, who is Jesus and what did he did or how to pray or how to read the scriptures or teach about our identity, we're teaching. Uh, and then admonishing. We're admonishing. That's when we're correcting, when we're correcting I think of a single guy that I've been discipling, and, and he was telling me, you know, Smiley, that my fiance and I, we're going we're to live in the same apartment, but we're going to sleep in, in separate bedrooms. And, and I said, uh, what did the richest man, the wisest man, the strongest man, and the most godly man, what did those four men all have in common? You know what? They, they all fell into sexual sin. And I said, what makes you think you're richer, wiser, smarter, or more godly than those men? That's not really a very good idea. That's how we, what we admonish one another, what with the uh, scriptures. Oh, we need a church. We need a place where we're taught and then a place where we can teach, a place where we can be admonished and then a place where we can admonish. Oh, listen, the the people that I'm discipling, like, and I'm teaching someone how to pray, I say, I want you to do this, and then I want you to go and teach someone else. When I teach someone how to read the Scriptures, I want you to do this, and then I want you to go and teach someone else. You know why? The reason I want them to is because we remember 10% of what we read, and 20% and of what we hear, and 70% of what we discuss, but 90% of what we teach. When we learn something and then go and teach someone else, that's when we really have the Word of Christ dwelling in us. <clears throat> you know why I know a lot more than most of you? It's not because I'm smarter than you, but it's because I spend so much of my time teaching other people. 
And if you want the Word of Christ to richly dwell within you, you must not only receive it, but you must also pass it on to others. So, let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. Jesus moves in, He gives us His Word and His Spirit and and, and His church, and and He says, follow me, okay? So I bet you can't guess what the action step is going to be for this week, right? It's going to be just let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. Would you like for that to happen? For the Word of Christ to richly dwell within you, you need to find a church and you need to connect to it. You need need to join it and and be a part of it because you need a place to be taught and to teach, to admonish and to admonish, to be discipled and to disciple. We need that. That's why Jesus has given us His Word, yes, and His Spirit, yes, and His church. It's why we say our purpose is to make disciples together because we recognize that we need Jesus and each other to make disciples. And after you connect to a church, stay connected. And and then to spend time with Jesus, to spend time with Jesus. That's what we're doing today. We're spending time with Him. It's good to spend time with Jesus together and hear His Word. It's why it's important to be a part of a small group. It's good to gather with others and discuss God's Word together. But it's also important that we learn how to feed ourselves from the Scriptures and, and read the Bible and pray ourselves. And that's why, as Strider said earlier, encourage you to to pick up the study. Join us. We're reading through Acts. You can do it. You know how I got into reading the Bible daily and meeting with Jesus? I went to seminary and they trained me how to read the Bible for you. But nobody taught me how to read the Bible for me. And then I went to Spanish River Church and David Nicholas, the pastor there, taught me how to read the Bible for me, that I needed God's Word. It wasn't just you who needed God's Word. But here's what really made it stick. One day I was bragging in a staff meeting that I hadn't missed a day of running like in three years because I love to run and I always find time every day to run. David Nicholas said, well, Smiley, um, how many days has it been that you've spent time with Jesus alone? How many days in a row? And you know what? I ran every day, but I didn't spend time with Jesus every day. So, So like 42 years ago, I said something. I said, you know, I say Jesus is the most important thing in my life. And so before I go for a run every day, I will spend time with Jesus first. And you know what? That's what clicked for me because I always found time for the one, so I made time for the others. And so I would encourage you, if you want to spend time with Jesus, connect it to something you really like to do. Before you check the scores, before you go online, before you watch the news, if Jesus is most important, spend time with Him first. You'll be amazed at how much you begin to enjoy that time. And what we want to do with that time is we want to read His Word and then learn how to pray His Word. Uh, I mean, like today, let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. Lord, may Your Word dwell in me. And then, and then to share the Word, to share the Word. So if we want the Word of Christ to dwell in us, connect to a church, spend time with Jesus, and, and learn to share the Word. When you read the Word each day and pray it, listen, when your family is is seated around the table, why not just share, hey, what did you learn in your time with Jesus? Karen and I do that every night. When her mom's with us, we do it. What did you learn in your time with Jesus? When you're with someone at work, talk about what you learned. If we want the Word of Christ to dwell in us, it's important that we share it. And do the same thing with church. When we come, we hear the Word. As we leave, we should pray the Word. Lord, help your Word to dwell richly in me. And then we should go and share. If you go and share with someone else what you've learned, 
you'll remember it so much more. Who do you know? Who do you know who really needs to hear the gospel? Why don't you go and share with them? Hey, could I share with you what we learned in church this week? Hey, if they say, yeah, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the Bible, do you think the Bible is more about what we do for God or, or, or what God does for us? What do you think? I think most people are going to tell us it's, it's what we do. And like, oh, no, no, you've got it wrong. The Bible's really about what Jesus has done for us. Would you like to, to know more? Um, listen, do you really want the Word of Christ to dwell in you? Then why don't you invite someone else to follow Jesus with you and begin to disciple someone else? And you say, well, smile, I, I, I don't know how to do that. Okay, I, I, here's what I'd like for you to do. If you would like for someone to disciple you so that you could disciple someone else, put that on your card. Put that on your card and we will find someone who will invest in you so you can invest in others. Because if you really want the word of Christ to dwell in you, you need someone who's investing in you so that you can invest in someone else. Um, one last thing, we're all done. And that is, what would it look like? What would it look like for the Word of Christ to richly dwell within us? Oh, I beg you, come back the next few weeks, please. If you'd like to know what our lives would look like if the Word of Christ richly dwelt within us, I beg you, come back. Because we will see that when the Word of Christ dwells in us, it changes our worship. Sunday would look totally different. And we're going to learn what would happen in our families, what would happen between husbands and wives and parents and children when the Word of God richly dwells within us. And then we're going to see what would happen in the workplace, what would happen in our workplace when the Word of Christ richly dwells within us. And then we're going to learn, we're going to learn how many more opportunities we would see to share our faith that the Word of Christ richly dwells within us. Don't miss it. And maybe, maybe you know someone who it might help their marriage for them to come in here. Maybe you know some parent who's really struggling. Why don't you invite them to come with you? Why don't you invite them to come as together, together we see what happens in the lives of people when the Word of Christ richly dwells with them. It's going to be so good. Our assignment this week is simple. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming to seek and save sinners. Thank you for dying and rising and offering us salvation. Listen, if you've never been saved, won't you? I mean, Jesus is here. Why don't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? Lord, thank you for giving us your word. 
Thank you for giving us your spirit. Lord, thank you for giving us your church. Lord, we pray this week that the word of Christ, Holy Spirit, give us a hunger for your word. Fill us with a love for your word, that we would want to spend time with you. We'd want to gather with others. We'd want to hear your word. We'd want to be discipled and disciple others. Give us a hunger and a thirst for your word. And as your word fills us, Lord, change our homes and change our workplaces. And Lord, change our nation as we share you with others. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.